Welcome to the Musea Podcast. This is episode number 54, and I am Michael Howard, the founder and CEO of Musea. Hope all of you are doing well out there. Hope you're excited as I am about fall is finally here. Uh, and I know all of you are busy and crazy right now that that's at this time of year is just, you know, always slammed with shoots and edits and albums and yada, yada, yada. So hopefully this is a nice kind of break for you. And we'll kind of hopefully nourish your photographic soul, kind of if you will. So, um, really quick, I just wanted to uh, let you know that last week I met with the Musea Store uh, developers. Had a really great meeting. Uh, Musea Store has been out almost two years now. It'll be two years this December. Um, and so, one of the things that we're going to do in the, kind of this next update of Musea Store uh, is we're taking all the working knowledge that we have of um, the last almost two years. Um, of the user interface and we are going to uh, kind of release or I guess what we're going to do is we're going to release this new user interface uh, for your clients and so it's going to be uh, a bit better design it's going to take some of the strengths that we would know work um, and have been working we're going to keep those uh, but we're going to add some new features um, and we're going to add uh, just a new workflow for the users and so it's just going to look a little bit uh, better than what it is now um, it's going to have some different functionality than what it uh, has now, and um, it's going to have a, a bit of a different checkout process. And so, uh, it's going to be completely different. Um, we're even introducing an uneven grid, which you're going to love. Uh, that's been kind of requested, so that is going to be thrown in there. And so, just be on the lookout for that. I'm hoping it's going to be released probably anywhere between seven to nine weeks. You know how software development goes. It's sometimes it can go faster than what you think sometimes it can go a little slower so we'll see but that's kind of the target date uh of where we're at and so hopefully hopefully towards the end of november or something we'll, we'll get that out um but we'll see so it might go into december no guarantees yet but it is coming we're working diligently and i signed off on stuff and so production on that is going to begin very 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 soon so i'm excited uh about it okay this podcast is with a photographer uh, her name is Susie Kushner. Uh, she's actually going to be teaching at the Musea Gathering that we're holding up in New York City in February 2014. This is a great way for you to get to know Susie. Some of you may not know who she is. Amazing woman, amazing photographer. I think you're really going to love uh, listening to her today and hopefully listening to her. Uh, hopefully that'll just kind of inspire you uh, to come to the gathering in New York in February and um, learn from her some more and even get your work critiqued from, uh, from Susie. So it's a great chance to just connect with her. Um, the gathering, I've still got tickets on sale. Um, if you're thinking about coming, please come. Uh, you can get tickets at museagathering.com. It's going to be an amazing time. It's February 25th, 26th. 
Um, John Dolan's teaching, Holbert Thoss, uh, Christy Drago-Price is going to be there helping um, critique work, and Liz Banfield's going to be there. She's going to be teaching and also critiquing. So the big thing is we're going to have one day of teaching, and then the second day is going to be critiques of your portfolio, and you get to get critiqued from all of the instructors. So it's going to be an amazing time, kind of a new format that we have going on, but I'm really, really, really excited about it. I think it's something that the industry desperately needs. And hopefully it'll just make all of you better photographers and get a fresh perspective on your work and, and where you need to head uh, in 2014 um, with, uh, with your aesthetics and, and all your creativity. Also kind of tied into the gathering, um, last time we had a podcast I announced that um, Musea has launched this new division called uh, The Outpost. And so The Outpost is there to help you with post-production, editing, album design, client management, blogging, social media, uh, newsletters, email newsletters, you know, we can send those out for you. We can pretty much do pretty much anything post-shoot for you that uh, you need us to do. So what we're going to do is anybody that buys a ticket to the gathering, you are going to be able to get a free uh, photo shoot or a free album design from Musea Outposts. So you get to try it out once for free. So if you come to the gathering, you get a free design or, um, yeah, free, uh, free photo shoot edit. If you buy it, you know, this fall while you're busy, you can use that, you know, this fall. Um, you know, before the lull hits uh, in January. So take advantage of that. If you're planning on coming, uh, that just adds a little uh, little something, a little sweetens a pot to come to the gathering. So Susie Kushner uh, is a uh, great photographer. She lives in Brooklyn, New York. She does a lot of food photography, and she does travel. She shoots fine art. She just does a lot of commercial work, uh, really. Um, but this podcast, what we talk a lot about, um, we talk a lot about her food side of photography because that's probably like kind of her main, main, one of her main things, I guess. Uh, but we talk a lot about that, uh, her food photography. She also teaches at the International Center of Photography. So we talk about why she teaches there and we talk about what she teaches and what she gets out of it from being a, an educator. And then she also, uh, we talk about portfolio. And so she, she gives some really great advice um, about portfolios uh, and specifically like printed portfolios. Uh, so if you're going to go show it to an art buyer, you know, a magazine editor or something like that, she has some really great advice on um, how to make sure your portfolio is at the top of its game so that when you go into those meetings, uh, you're showing only your best work. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. I know it's been a little bit since we've had a podcast, um, but we're glad to be back and uh, we'll have some more coming up soon. So thanks so much and have a great fall. Talk to you soon. Susie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm excited to talk, talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. So I'm excited to uh, have you at the gathering coming up in February. And um, this will be a good chance for uh, everybody to get to know you a bit better. So it'll be yeah, a good I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to it. Um, the first question I always ask is, how did you get started in photography? And just to kind of give us a you know, your background and history a little bit. 
great. I was a, uh, I went to Mass College of Art, and I was a printmaking major, and toward the end of my tenure there, I started uh, doing photo printmaking, uh, lithography and silkscreen and all that, and um, basically when I was heading toward graduation um, and realized I needed to find a job, uh, I went out, I was sent out to to an interview at a um, importing company, a company that imported gifts of glass and silver and pewter. And um, I walked in with my massive art school portfolio filled with etchings and lithography, and the guy hired me as their first photographer. That's all I can say. He's, I have no idea why this man hired me. Um, but actually, uh, I was given my own studio and carte blanche to order all the supplies I wanted to, and I knew I had a friend who was very um, savvy and well-versed in view camera photography, and so I got the job and took the job and stayed there for three years and learned everything about lighting and view camera, and they had a, a uh, style director that had just come from Bloomingdale's, and I had, didn't even know what a style director was at that point. So I was really introduced to so many things right off the bat, things that I loved and didn't know that I could make um, a living at. And ultimately, after... My first child was born. I opened up my own studio in Boston um, with a small business loan, um, which was incredible. And at that time, in those days, they were giving small business loans to um, women entrepreneurs. And so it was perfect for me, and I opened up a 500-square-foot studio, bought all my equipment, strobe equipment, cameras, everything brand new, and I was off and running, basically. Mm. So, how long have you been doing photography, I guess? I don't think I want to tell you that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been doing photography for a really long time, and I would say that my oldest daughter is 33, so you can okay. sort of do the math. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, what is it about photography for you that you knew that this would be, I guess, your career? You know, why, why photography is a career choice versus some of the other things you learned in college? It wasn't a career choice, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. It was, um, me, uh, moving forward as opportunities came to me that I was interested in, that I resonated with. It wasn't really a strategy. It wasn't a conscious choice. I didn't even know really what a commercial photographer was. But the more people I met in the industry at that particular time um, and the more research I did and began to really understand uh, what was involved uh, to step into this culture, the more it just felt right and balanced to me. Um, I mean, it was it was just like serendipitous, really, that I could even find something that was a, a visual, entrepreneurial, you know, creative process, and I could make a living at it. 
Mm-hmm. It was it was a miracle, really. Yeah. Do you still do any of your like the etchings or anything like that occasionally or no? Uh, no, I I don't do etching um, or you know lithography anymore. But actually, um, you know, when digital photography became a presence, and I started to learn Photoshop and started to be able to work with my images digitally. Um, I felt as though it, my printmaking had come back to me in a way that it gave me an opportunity to um, use a similar sensibility and have some kind a similar outcome even. So, you know, I, I really feel that my background as a printmaking major in art school um, has been, you know, incredibly help, helpful to me. Mm. What's your favorite thing about photography? Which is kind of a hard um, opening. Everything. <laughs> everything? Everything. Everything except the business part of it. Okay. You know, and that that's always been that's always been sort of the Achilles heel, thorn, the thing that sort of stops the flow, the thing that you have to pay attention to. But but my favorite thing about um photography really is the way it has enhanced my sense of sight, mm. even in my everyday life, it's just remarkable. That I, it's something that I never really even considered as I stepped into this profession. Um, that you know, we we have these senses, and the more you um, practice any one of them, whether you're a chef or a photographer or whatever, that sense becomes really enhanced over time. And, you know, I, I also love the um, opportunity to be able to capture an image and reveal it to people in a way that they can experience the subject um, from an, a perspective that they never would have, you know, if they hadn't seen the photograph. So I also love the collaborative process. I mean, everything is just sort of strikes a chord with me. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get into food photography? I guess specifically, then. Um, specifically, I was shooting for um, Chronicle Books back in nineteen ninety seven. I guess um, was my first real assignment for them. And after after shooting a couple of assignments for them, they gave me the pleasures of slow food. And the ple- the pleasures of slow food that the book was um, the first time really that I had ever shot food extensively. I had done I had shot an article for Fast Company magazine on the man that um, started the slow food movement mm-hmm. in Italy. And I think that's really why Chronicle gave me the assignment because I had a familiarity with it. And so I basically spent nine months traveling um, all over Europe and the U.S., um, meeting all the great chefs, growers, and producers, and I fell in love. Mm-hmm. And that that was the beginning. Did that... I mean, on, obviously on a professional level... Um, 
you became really interested in food, but I mean, did that also affect like you personally, like how you eat or your habits or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just getting insight, you know, when, as a photographer, when you're given an assignment that has the narrative component, um, you have the pleasure really and the, um, the gift of going into people's, uh, passion and their environments. And they take you by the hand and they pull you right into the heart of it, right into the nectar of what they're doing, why they're doing it, what their passions are. And it's totally contagious. And um, I absolutely, I mean, I've always been um, a healthy eater. And actually, I come from a family um, of food people. My dad was in the meat business, oddly mm. enough. Um and everybody likes to eat. <laughs> so, um, but, but really seeing the origin of food and where it's been and now how it's progressed and how people take it in and that it's part of what keeps us alive and we have the choice of doing it in a healthy way or in a number of different ways. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's become a huge part of my life. It's remarkable. When I think of like food photography, I, I um, especially some of the stuff you do where it seems like it's a little more in a studio or in a controlled setting. I, I guess at least the stuff I'm looking at in your in your first portfolio on your your website. Um, I've never been on a set like that, so is that something you can I guess to maybe talk me through like what would maybe just be like your typical experience of doing um, a food shoot like that that you have in your first portfolio. Um, well, I don't know what you're referring to I as guess my first like, portfolio. You mean online on yeah, my yeah, website? You're on, yeah, you're on, on my outdated portfolio. on my outdated website. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I should send you my other um, my actual food portfolio. I have an okay. ebook, um, oh, cool. and I'll send you that because a lot of the food that I shoot is actually not in a studio. Some okay. of it is, but but most of it is not. Um, but basically, it doesn't really matter because it's all I. I usually approach it all in a very similar way, and that would be um, if it's in a studio, it's usually for a cookbook mm-hmm. or you know an editorial or something like that. And in that way, there's a team of a food stylist and and their assistant, a prop stylist and their assistant, and me and my assistant. And together, um, I usually go to a daylight studio, and the way I approach it is if the daylight um, is good and added light isn't necessary, then I don't um, I don't use strobe. Mm. Um, but if I need it, I I use it in a way that makes it look like it's part of the natural light that's coming in. And um, basically, you know, it's a lot of uh, collaboration, a creative collaboration um, between the team to come up with a result that's cohesive, consistent, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. It seems, I mean, one of the things I noticed about your portfolio, um, at least the online portfolio that I've seen, even even it flows, I guess, into your, some of your interior photography, is there's kind of a sense of, I guess, luxury or richness like everything feels very kind of high end in a way. Um, you know, I don't see, you don't see, you know, you're not doing food photography for like 
Tyson turkey chicken or anything. I don't see like those type of images or whatever, you know? Um, Not to say that I wouldn't do that. Yeah, but it just, the type of stuff seems very like that slow food, um, right. very expensive restaurant or like a very famous chef type of cookbook. Or well, something. I think that what usually what comes to you as an artist are the people that resonate with your aesthetic and mm -hmm. your visual sensibility. And so I will say that I've been lucky in that way, that the stylists that I've worked with, both food and prop, uh, the clients that have given me assignments for the most part, um, you know, totally come to me because we're like-minded in that way. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, and, and that's not to say that I don't enjoy sort of working outside my comfort level aesthetically because I actually really do love when um, I'm paired up with a team of people that are not exactly on, on par with me aesthetically and visually so that it gives me a chance to sort of stretch that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I'm curious, just thinking of food, like what is the hardest food you've ever photographed? Because I've heard stories that when I was in college, I did a, a brief internship with a still life photographer and he we didn't do food, but I know he had shot some in the past. We did other products and things like that. But um, he was telling me stories of, of different yeah, that, like shooting ice a, cream and stuff was like really hard. I think, um, I think it really depends on what less about the food mm -hmm. and more about what the um, result is supposed to be. You know, mm -hmm. if there's if it's for, it's for an ad and there's an art director and a whole you know posse of opinions um there that can be difficult um technically if there's um food that's really dark and really light in the same shot that can be tricky because then you're you have to find sort of the the happy medium and make sure that you know both the highs and the lows are really brought out in a um in, in the right way. Yeah. Um, so it's not a specific food. I, mm. I, I don't think it, it's really about that. I, I think it's just sort of the, the circumstances that are, you know, some circumstances are a little bit more challenging than others. And those are two examples, I think, of how that could happen. Yeah. Do you, I don't know, I'm, everything I'm going off of is still on your, the one side I've seen, but do you do? Do you get to do a lot of uh, editorial like travel stuff recently to do more documentary style projects on food? Um, I'm just trying to think. I mean, we're just about to um, do a cookbook, and that is not going to be very documentary. Mm. Um, I mean, I did an amazing shoot for Departures Magazine a few years ago on um, regional Chinese food. And that was probably, besides slow food, that was probably one of the most exciting um, food editorial stories that I had the opportunity to shoot. Um, and so we went to five different um, places in China uh, and had you know, people that were uh, creating everything from street food to, you know, five-star restaurant food in China 
to Shanghai eating dessert in the tower overlooking the river. I mean, it was it was just, um, you know, it, it's situations like that where you just go, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I must have done something right in my last <laughs> life because this is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, recently it's been um, a little bit less food travel. You know, I, I do shoot. I don't only shoot food. I shoot a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's been... Um, but that was... The China trip was incredible. Mm. Yeah, it sounds... I mean, I'm trying... One of, the things, one of the things you're touching on now is one of the things that I love a lot. I'm probably most about photography, which um, I haven't maybe purposely sought out as much in in my in my life as maybe what I should or, or whatever yet. Um, but it's just the mix. Like it's as photographers, I think we love obviously making making the images and and getting the results back of like a successful image or you know growing as as an artist technically and, and aesthetically and things like that. But one of the things I love about photography is the ability to um, put yourself in these situations where you can learn more about the world or other people around you. And so you feel uh, like a more educated human being, I guess, more cultured, or, or you get to experience things in a wide variety of ways that uh, maybe a lot of other career paths don't give you access to. Does that make sense? It's so true. It's so true. I mean, it's like when I, when I travel... Um, whether it's for work or not, I mean, because I'm, I'm always, um, I shoot for Getty, so I always have my camera um, mm-hmm. whenever I go away. And I just, I feel, um, I guess now the phrase is citizen of the world, global citizen, but, you know, I've always felt like an ambassador, like a, a guest in somebody's house, mm-hmm. um, a guest in somebody's culture. And, um, so privileged to be able to see, um, experience the different um, smells and the way they grow their food and the way they are in their families and the way they express themselves. And the underlying, to me, the underlying inspiration is always that we are so close together. I mean, we're so similar. We are so the same, no matter where you go or how extreme the culture is, the environment is. Everybody, honestly, um, not to sound too goopy, but we are mm. all the same. And, and it, it's remarkable to me that people can um, live in areas that are so physically different or where the economy is compromised or whatever the differences are. And really like when you look into someone's eyes and you eat their food and you know, all of that, it's like the base, the, the playing field is leveled. The baseline is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I interviewed another food photographer. She's from New York, uh, Penny uh, De Los Santos. I don't know if you know her. Um, but, uh, that's one of the things we talked about too, that why she shot food a lot was, um, is kind of a common ground thing, you know, uh, when you're kind of breaking bread with people, it really kind of ties you to them. In, oh yeah. In, I in mean, I can tell you a story about, you know, driving, you know, six hours to get to this, uh, organic farmer in, um, Southwest Ireland. And we showed up probably at about seven o'clock at night in this, 
you know, little rickety car with a bunch of equipment. And we were greeted by the dad and his son. And we they welcomed us into their home, into the farm kitchen. And we sat down and had like this four-hour amazing dinner with these people that we had just met. And it was incredible. I mean, it was just like, it makes you, it just makes you feel so good. And it's so exciting. And yeah, it's it's amazing. Mm. One of the, some kind of a random thought that just popped in my head a little bit is what's the subject matter you're dealing with. And I mean, we'll get onto some of your other work in a second, but this kind of this um, the food thing and a lot of what you're doing with the slow food stuff. Um, how how do you handle that with when we're we feel like we're living in a culture maybe that is so fast paced? Um, is that contrast? there i'm not even sure what um how to ask it but i don't know i mean is that something that the more that i guess the more you've got into the food thing it has the culture of america and the speed of it has that become even more apparent uh to you as i think a lot of times for people if we get so caught up at this going at this such a fast pace that we um it just becomes normal i guess and we don't realize it i think that um you know, I think that cooking food and sitting down and having a meal by yourself with two people or with a room full of people is like a meditation in a mm. way. And I think that because everything comes so fast and furious on the outside in our daily lives and all of that, I think one of the keys is to, you know, that we're something that we're all constantly um, learning um, and trying to achieve is balance. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are times in our daily life when we have to rush to catch the train. There are times in our daily life um, when, you know, you have to get, you have to be up on all the emails that are coming in or answer a text or I don't know, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But there are also times in, during the day um, when you can stop and eat you know, food that's been grown with such love and care and um, focus and, you know, put it together in a way that's nurturing to yourself and other people. And I just think it's part of being aware of the pace of, of your life and being able to make some choices and food and the way it's cooked and presented and taken into your body is just one way of doing that. Mm. Blowing down. Yeah. Um, you teach at the International Center of Photography. Um, so I'm curious what specifically you teach there. Um, I give two classes there. Um, one of them, I, I actually wrote the curriculum for both of them. One of them just is a food workshop, and um, it's a uh, four-day workshop, and it's fantastic because there are students from all over the world. Um, ICP is a school that I honor so much for really walking the walk, that they say they're an international center for photography, and indeed they do an incredible job gathering students from all over the world to participate in their classes. So um, one of the classes I give is this food photography course where we do two days in class and two days in a, um, in a, shooting, a kitchen studio. 
and we have a food we have a food stylist and a couple of assistants and lighting and we you know I talk about you know shooting food in a natural way and so it's really it's fun and usually on the third day we spend the morning on location either at Italy or um the Green Market in Union Square. And the other class I give is called Career Advisory Seminar, and that's generally a 10-week course, uh, three hours a week. And we ultimately prepare, I ultimately try to prepare students um, to strategize about how they're going to go from academia or wherever they are in beginning their career into the culture of being a professional photographer, um, everything from um, creating uh, a wish list of clients to uh, the business and how to keep track of tax issues and um, self-promotion and portfolios and everybody gets an individual consult with me and it's really... You know, it's a very, I, it's a very supportive group of about 12 to 15 people usually. Um, everybody's doing a slightly different, uh, focus and concentration for their work, but, um, this, there is a com, there are a lot of common threads and mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a great, I love it. It's a great class. I always learn a lot and I usually about, um, halfway through the course, I start having, um, guest speakers from the industry. We have um, uh, photo editors and art directors and photo reps and all kinds of people that come in and just ha- basically sit down and have a conversation. Mm. How How is teaching for you is just a personal experience? I mean, is it, do you feel like it's just as fulfilling as when you're like behind the camera? Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect way for me to give back to a culture that um, I've grown up in that has given me so much. And I think that there's, at least when I was growing up as a professional photographer, it was, it, it's so competitive and, you know, so guarded in so many ways. And this is an opportunity for everybody to just relax and open up and for me to really impart every single bit of information and awareness about being a professional uh, in this, in this, um, as a professional photographer that I can, I love it. I love giving back and I love the interaction with students. It's, it's really, um, it's, it's been a great part of my life in the last three years. Mm. I'm curious what, um, what you feel like maybe people starting, you know, starting their career, uh, what they're struggling with them the most, if there's kind of a common, Common thing. I think what people tend to struggle with the most is a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think it really, there's so much competition out there. Um, you know, if you tell someone, an artist or a creative person, someone who's just sort of at the beginning of their career, that the most important thing for them is to be who they are, that's like a daunting thing. Mm-hmm. I remember when some I, I remember somebody a teacher that I really respected saying to me one time, um, 
you just have to find your voice. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> how am I going to do that? You know, like where, how will I know? What will it be? You know, like I, it that to me was just like, but over time, um, you know, like anything, it is a process to be aware of. You, you develop your sensibility, you develop an awareness of who you really are when you take all the filters off and, it's, um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just one of those things. Hmm. One of the questions I'm curious about is, um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I've run into love photographers that have, you know, have, they've started photography in the last probably five years or less, um, for the most part. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of complaining, I would say, within the industry now of like it's oversaturated and it's just so competitive. And I, I think all that's true, but sometimes I wonder if if it is more competitive now or if it's just always been this way. You know, it's always been this way. And if you spend your life complaining about why something's hard, it's taking the energy away from moving forward. Mm. That's all I have to say. So yes, it's it's. Um, this industry is probably one of the most um, intensely competitive industries. Um, it is oversaturated. Um, there will always be something about it that you know you always have you have to constantly be reinventing yourself. But I think for all the things that make it really difficult and challenging, um, those are I mean, I hate to sound like. Appalling Hannah, but um, I, I really, in retrospect, I would have to say that um, getting through those issues and working and be and and sort of sticking to the program no matter what um, are the things that made it um, worthwhile for me. I don't know. I mean, it is really hard. It is. I've often said it's not for the faint of heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just not. I mean, the business of it and negotiating and finding a rep and you know making sure that people that you that you're um, constantly you know in reinventing yourself, constantly growing and letting people know that you are um, is is it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of passion and it takes a lot of energy. So. Um, you know, at, a lot of people sort of drop out after a while because it's intense. Mm. But as intense it is, the intensity of it, the physics of it, um, means that the intensity of it equals the incredibleness of it. Mm. You know, so that's what you're dealing with. I mean, it's always a choice to stay in it or not stay in it. Um, it's a, it's definitely a lot of work, but like I, you know, you ask great questions, Michael, and I think that, you know, where you go, the people you meet, the experiences that you have, the fact that every single day is different, um, the problem solving that you encounter, all of that is like, it's an amazing way to grow up and live your life, I mm. think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the things that, um, I get yeah. I don't know. I guess we've already talked about it a little bit, but just for me, if photography, if it's you've said something, somebody chooses a career, it's not something you choose because it's like you're going to make a lot of money at it or anything like that. Because I think that's like extremely hard to do. 
but it's more about just the fullness of life that it can bring to you as a career. Like you might not make the most money, but your experiences and the things you have are going to outweigh, you know, the monetary, um, you know, where you can make money at it and we can make more money. At a different yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody has to prioritize what's important to them mm. in their life, yeah. you know, and, and the bottom line is if what you prioritize as being important in your life gives you a quality that makes you feel good and gives, you know, something to um, other people in some way, um, then that's a great thing. And if the choice that you make um, doesn't do that, then you should switch. Yeah. Kind of going back to your work a little bit, um, your online site, I saw you obviously have a, you have a tab for just uh, travel work. Um, and I didn't know, uh, cause you're, like I said, like your food work on there and then your interior work that, that feels like a very specific one vision, you know, has a very similar feel and the aesthetics and the lighting and, and the framing and all that have feel like this very same. I didn't know if the travel part, which, uh, it seems like that's putting you in situations where you have less control and you're more of a documentarian versus something in a situation where you really can control a lot of things. If you like, if you really enjoy that balance of um, going to you know different area where you don't have a lot of control versus these areas that you do have a lot of control, and if that's like a healthy thing for you, I don't ever feel like I have a lot of control. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. It's yeah. like it's just a different set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. But um, what I love about traveling and shooting, um, you know, that kind of assignment or that kind of photography is the spontaneity of it. You know, I, lo I love being the adventurer and rooting around and, you know, finding uh, a story to tell uh, from a visual perspective as well as from any other perspective. And, and um, I love that. I mean, I just, I, it's so energizing and um, rich. And, you know, I love, I love the studio, too, because in a way, that's like going on location to me. For me, it's like going on into another culture for a day or two or however long it is. And, you know, it's a very focused, concentrated um, experience with a bunch of, uh, you know, with a few people. And so, you know, basically, it's not that dissimilar. You know, I like not having control. I like having to create something from scratch every single time. I don't always do... My approach isn't always the same, except that it comes from me. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that is, that's the one thing um, that I can't change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so that's, that's the way I look at it, really. Where's, where's like, your favorite place you've ever visited? Oh, God. I mean... <laughs> Top three, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did a whole... I was lucky enough to do a whole trip to um, uh, uh, Nepal, Tibet, mm -hmm. and India to track the life of Buddha. So that was pretty... That's right up there for five weeks. That was amazing. China was amazing. Um, a couple of years ago, um, I did a seminar in Cambodia an organization called Room to Read. So I was teaching people that run the organization over there 
how to take better pictures. Um, mm. Anyway, so after that, I went to um, Laos by myself, and that was a wonderful trip as well. You know, I I went to Tur- I've been to Turkey. I've, I've been to like you know 15 countries, so I can't think of any country that I didn't really love. I mean, there's always something to find. There's always something rich, and I'm always grateful that to have an opportunity to go someplace that seemed, you know, new to me. Mm-hmm. Morocco. I mean, I, I just, I do, I love to travel. I'm a bit of a nomad. <laughs> your uh, personal work on your site, tell me a little bit about that, because it seems like you have, um, especially there's this, there's a bunch of photos of people, it seems like they're either walking or standing, and it's, you tend to maybe cut some of their heads off in the framing and how you comp- you know compose it and it's about maybe like their yeah, clothes that, and things. Yeah, that work is a couple of, of years old. Yeah. It's, um, it's all very urban. I should probably go to that site. I haven't really been to my website in a long time. <laughs> um, and basically that was my exploration of um, sort of a cinematic... It had a cinematic... Uh, inspiration to it that the way people walk through a frame, a moving frame, um, and I had just come into the city. I moved here from Boston, so, you know, I was shooting a lot in in, um, various studios, and I was looking at views, you know, city views from, you know, very high up, and I started, I also have a fascination with... um, the way people gesture in museums. Mm. So I would basically go and, you know, go to museums for days on end and just shoot people as they were walking around the museum and walking in and out of the galleries. Um, And then I would make these photo compositions with using, that were inspired by film, using the... um, the city views and the people in museums. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's what that's about mostly. Um, and I just, uh, you know, it's a lot of what's been fascinating me in my personal work is the way, you know, especially people in urban areas move around really quickly together, but don't make eye contact necessarily. Um, unless you stop someone in the street, like I'm, I've been shooting subway pictures inside the subway car, people that are sit directly across from me, and I generally shoot them from the chin to the knees. Mm-hmm. So I'm really focused on sort of the, the heart, the middle part, and the gesture, um, and the way they touch each other or don't touch touch each other. I mean, I think that we are sort of all in this together, but in an urban area, um, the way we get through a day is to basically go inside ourselves and not make too much contact on the outside. It, it's mm. just, it's something I'm exploring. I don't have any um, definitive, you know. So, in other words, I think that, no, I, don't, <laughs> I haven't yeah. gotten there yet. So, visually, I'm sort of working through this. Yeah. Is that something you heard to hope to turn into like a book or an exhibit at some point? No, I hope to take another picture tomorrow. That's all I hope <laughs> hmm. Short, short term. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, sure, it would be wonderful to be able to rent a, a warehouse and load the, the, these pictures up to beyond life size and, you know, have an amazing installation. Yeah, you know, maybe someday I'll do that. Mm. But right now I'm collecting, you know, images and working on it, and that's really where my attention is focused. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone will ever see them or not. Right. That's interesting. I'm curious because you said when you started, you kind of um, were shooting the view camera. I mean, are you still working large format or shooting film? Or are you just all on digital now? Or no, I, ha I sadly haven't shot film in a really long time. Mm. You know, it's just um, I've, I've really gotten into the digital format and I love it. And I would also love to shoot film again someday. I still have you know, cameras, and I still actually have a uh, huge bag filled with film <laughs> that's Ooh. very outdated. But, yeah. you know, like, yeah, someday I'd love to use it again. Yeah. Um, it's a really different workflow to shoot analog, and mm -hmm. um, it's the pace and the focus is just completely different. But honestly, I love both results. You know, mm -hmm. I think every tool is has its purpose and every tool, you know, has the potential of yielding something that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, kind of like gear nerd talk. Are you shooting like medium format or just like a DSLR? Digital um, Sometimes When I use media, medium format, which actually I just used um, on, a, on an assignment, I, I just rent it. I like to rent what's current. So... Yeah. Instead of spending a hundred thousand dollars to own something that's going to be outdated, that doesn't seem practical. Exactly. Um, and so, yes, I use the DSLR. I use it. I'm a Canon girl. Mm. Very cool. Me too. I'm a Canon guy. So, um, I actually shoot film quite a bit now too. So, I went back. You. I went back just because I love it so much. Um, you you sent me a blurb, um, you know, because I know you're teaching at the Gathering in New York, and you say in that just your first sentence, you talk about how you're really passionate about the creative process. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit about what about the creative process you're you're passionate about? Yeah, I think that when people come together that have um, that are inspired by creativity, whether it's visual or whatever it is. Um, I have always really liked uh, the fact that we can blur the lines and that we can focus on a project um, and a goal and have um, a common intent. But, you know, sometimes I'll, in other words, if I'm shooting food, for example, I'll go into the kitchen and see, you know, what the food stylist is doing and maybe make a comment or throw out an idea. And in the same way the prop stylist could stand and look in my camera, you know, and suggest I, my, I change my perspective slightly. That kind of flow that happens as people come together uh, with a common creative in, uh, goal and intention um, is really what gets me up in the morning. Because then in the end, um, it's that it's not you're finding it's when you sign your name to something, mm. it's really not just you because yeah. you never could have done it with, without the input and the energy of the other people involved and the commitment, you know, it's such a commitment. 
I find that the people that I work with in this industry are just so hardworking and so committed and at the same time so open to, um, you know, everybody else's ideas and, you know, just to the creative process. It's, it is really pretty amazing. Yeah. Which for me is interesting because I think, especially when you talk to maybe young artists, I feel like they... They feel like they need to do everything, and they're responsible for every single creative idea, um, and that they struggle receiving maybe input from other people sometimes on a team. You know? Um, yeah, but everybody—I mean, everybody has to go through that stage. Mm-hmm. I, I look at that what you just described as a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that ultimately you let go, or you don't really let go, but you walk through that stage, and then you open into the next stage, which maybe gives you more choices about, you know, being open to possibilities that, you know, you were, you kind of backed yourself into a corner by thinking that you had to do everything yourself, you know, and when you open yourself up to everything, um, then you have a lot more choices. And I don't know. It's just where it's it's really just a mirror of the way life is. I think. I yeah. think that you know the more you're the more you sort of close off and have to control yourself and your life and you're this and you're that and it's all about you. Um, the more limited your experience is. But the minute you open up to everything that's around you and you have an awareness and it's fuller, then your work becomes richer, I think. What you need to express becomes, has more elements in it, so it's richer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think everybody has to go through every stage. It's just that we all go through them at different times. So. Yeah. What are, I guess when you look at portfolios, I mean, what are maybe some of the common mistakes do you see people making? Uh, whether that's, I guess, maybe in terms of, like, physical portfolios? Um, I think that people tend to, I think we all tend to tell ourselves stories about um, while we're editing our work and why so many pictures have to end up representing our work and who we are. Because if I don't, if I don't keep that one in, but that one just has a little, it has a little bit of a different perspective. And, you know, if they only see the other one from that series, they may not get it. I think that the, the you know, the, the most difficult part of, present, of presenting yourself is actually being able to edit your work properly. Mm-hmm. And I think that having said that, it's what I always tell students is that and I follow this myself, obviously, is that um, it's really important to have a little team of people that you trust um, whose aesthetic, uh, they're, they're separated, emotionally separated from your work so that when they weigh in and help you edit your final, you know, presentation, um, it has a breadth of objectivity to it. And, um, you know, they're not stuck like we get stuck when we're editing our own work. I think it's really important. Editing editing is the balls when you're presenting yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you have a couple of seconds to say, here I am, this is what I do. 
and it has to be compelling and it has to have rhythm and it has to be your best work. And, you know, we tend to put in um, not just our A work, but a little bit of B gets in there. And if a little bit of B gets in there, it's sort of screwed. Uh, do you do you have a, a specific number? Do you think is good for a physical portfolio, like twenty images or less or more? Yeah, you know, I I think that if you only have fifteen really top notch images, even twelve, then just show that. And mm. I think that any more than thirty five is boring. Mm. You know, like if people, if if you have thirty five images and someone doesn't feel like they've seen enough. Um, and they're looking, you know, you're showing it to them for a specific potential assignment, then you can go back and, you know, I always say, okay, I'll put a specific book together for you of images that relate to what you're looking for, and then I do that instead. But for the main book, for your primary, you know, um, collection of images that you can search. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think editing and and taking out is one of the big struggles that <clears throat> I know it's hard for me, um, but I think it's hard. I just think for everybody in general. Um, oh, it's awful. And I think a lot of people nowadays they also rely maybe too much on feedback from like an online audience, whether it's just like on Facebook or something. Uh, versus, you know, like you're saying, like like three people that you could do face-to-face kind of critiques or editing help with. Right, but then if you do that, if you're, if you're having a lot of people edit, you know, give you feedback online, then you, again, are put in the position as the photographer of being the editor of that, mm-hmm. you know. And so not now not only are you editing your images, now you're editing the reviews on your images mm. and the comments on your images. So I, I think that a small, trusted posse of studies <laughs> um, is probably best. Because if you don't, you know, if you're going out for the first time and you don't have a lot of confidence, um, getting feedback from a lot of different people is just confusing. I mean, it's just like, Everybody has an opinion, you know. So how how are you gonna how are you gonna sort of siphon that down to who you really are and how you really feel about what you want to put out there and what the kind of work that you want, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's more about them than it is about the photographer. Right. Exactly. Totally agree. So confusing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is confusing. Well, that is all the questions I have for you. I thank you so much for your time. I'm excited to have you at the gathering and doing critiques and to hear what you're going to be talking about there. Um, it's this is going to be it's going to be a great a great time, and I'm, I love your work and I'm really grateful to have generous people. Well, thank people you so like much. You. Thank you for including me. I am absolutely proud and honored to uh, participate in this, and I can't wait to meet you. Awesome. Same here, likewise. And everybody. All right, have a great weekend. I will. You do the same. All right, bye, Michael. Okay, bye.